This is the Better Reading Podcast platform with stories behind the story, Jane's Be Better Podcast, my book chat with Caroline Overington and more. Looking for a particular podcast? Remember, you can always skip to it. Welcome to the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story, brought to you by Belinda Audio. Listen to Belinda Audiobooks, anywhere, everywhere. Hi, this is Cheryl Arkell from the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story. We talk to authors about how they came to tell us their story. Shelley Burr, welcome to Better Reading. Yeah, thank you for having me. Well, 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 it's, we haven't been doing a lot of face-to-face, so it's very nice to see you in person. Shelley grew up between Newcastle and her grandparents' farm at Glen Rowan. She has a background working in environmental policy and is now studying agriculture at the University of New England. Shelley's debut rural crime novel, Wake, won the CWA Debut Dagger Award in 2019 and was shortlisted for the Kill Your Darlings Unpublished Manuscript. Award. It's a gripping debut about how young girls' unsolved disappearance continues to haunt a small farming community. Well, firstly, congratulations. I mean, before your book's even published, you've won several awards. Yes, thank you. Winning the debut dagger was just an incredible honour and a complete surprise. Yeah, it's fantastic. And is that what led you to being published? I think that it certainly played a part. Um, a de- an award like the debut dagger, it gets attention, and it, it does. Gets, it certainly gets a manuscript read quickly. Yes, but um, it it can't get you over the line if no. the manuscript has to stand on its own. Um, Always. Um, we often, when we're talking to authors, a lot of the advice that they give and we give to aspiring writers is enter competitions, writing competitions, because you're going to get feedback real quick. Yeah, absolutely. And I agree. It's um, for authors, it's always, it's somewhat challenging because writing competitions, they'll often come along with, um, you know, needing to have an entry fee and that can be challenging for some writers, but it's definitely something that I would encourage. Those couple of unpublished manuscript awards, um, the debut dagger, it meant I got some fabulous judge feedback that Mm. I was able to incorporate and sort of sit with and um, ended up making the manuscript much stronger. And the Kill Your Darlings Unpublished Manuscript Award, that's just an amazing program that Mm. Kill Your Darlings magazine runs Mm. that as part of it, we actually spent a week at Varuna, the writer's house in the Blue Mountains. Yes. Yeah. And I got um, really in-depth feedback from Rebecca Stafford on the manuscript. Mm -hmm. And so that made a huge difference um, Mm. in the development of the novel. And yeah, that's been a a really successful little program that they run that award. Mm -hmm. I know that Hayley Scrivener, one last year and she's got her book Dirt Town is coming out in June I think and there's another one Ash Goldberg mm-hmm. next next week I think in mm. May and yeah wonderful isn't yeah. it it's wonderful to see the many avenues um, mm. and the many paths to publishing tell me because there's um you kind of got a dual career if you like that's what I'm going to call it sure. talk to me a little bit firstly I just want to say I don't know if you've ever lived in Newcastle but it is one of my favorite little cities I love it 
Very good coffee, very good beaches. Yes, absolutely. It's a beautiful part of the world. Isn't it? Yeah. I've, I mean, I grew up in Newcastle, but I've lived in Canberra for the last 12 years. Oh, right. And so the Newcastle I grew up in is, it's very different to Newcastle now. It's just, um, it's amazing what what development has happened there. It's got this vibrant art scene. Um, The foreshore's all absolutely beautiful now. It's just a wonderful, wonderful city. And it is because I think it's affordable. It has attracted a lot of young artists, a Mm. lot of aspiring artists, you know, but even in terms of coffee shops and bakeries and whatever, young chefs are, you know, opening places that are affordable. And so the recipients of all of that is us enjoying, you know, good food, good wine, good coffee. It's wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. And um, they've got their own writers' festival, Newcastle yes. Writers' Festival, which is amazing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And good bookshops there as well. Definitely. Um, okay, so I want to know um, about where it all started um, and how you came to writing a book and also, I guess, studying agriculture as well at the University of New England. So take me right back. Yeah, certainly. So I was I was always that kid who loved to write. Like from the as soon as I could write stories, I was obsessed with it. So um, I've always written to to entertain myself, to entertain my friends, but I didn't start to really take it seriously until after I had my daughter. (laughs) I know that's a bit of the opposite of that, you know, it is difficult to find time to write while balancing, you know, family and work and writing, but it was really galvanizing as well that um, writing was something that I could do, that I could have for myself. Mm -hmm. And if I carved out that hour to write, then I knew that I had to like, be butt in chair, hands on keyboard, get it done because I was choosing to use that hour to write as opposed to using that hour to take a nap or catch up on Netflix or play a video game or something. So um, I would have taken the nap option. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I'll be honest, sometimes I did. But um, yeah, it's just that if I was going to take that time away for myself, I wanted to spend it wisely and really take it seriously. And so that translated into a really solid writing routine that became the novel, Awake. Mm. So tell me about growing up. So you went to high school. Um, were you writing short stories or were you submitting? What, tell me about that. Were you, Or were you thinking, I mean, and also what led you to do the course that you're doing? You know, so which path were you? Because they seem quite different to me. Maybe I'm wrong. Um. Yeah, they are quite different. I did um, write a lot of short fiction as as a teenager. Um, I wasn't necessarily, I entered competitions and the like, but um, never got particularly far with those as a teenager. Mm. I did have one piece published, a, a short fiction piece published in Dolly magazine when I was 16. Oh, yay. Yeah. <laughs> so I've really only got two publishing credits right now. That Dolly magazine Peace and and Wake, my novel. Yeah. So, well, well they're, they're pretty good ones. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay, tell me about um, agriculture. Mm. Tell me about that part of your career. Yeah. So, I by day I am I'm in the public service and I work in waste policy at the moment, and I'm also a qualified accountant. So that again is different from writing and different from agriculture. 
But over the last few years, I've become really fascinated with um, with soil science. And I think that there's a growing interest in it that over the last couple of decades or really, frankly, the last 200 years, Australia's soils have been degrading quite seriously. And so it's an issue that we need to get on top of because all of life comes from healthy soil. And so, you know, I was starting to look to the future and think about um, what is it that I want to do? And um, this is just something that's always really interested me is um, (laughs) both agriculture and food production and soil and, you know. Is the soil being degraded um, because of climate change or because of, well, I guess it goes hand in hand, what we're our waste disposal methods. Is it is it a combination of things? Yeah, it's definitely a combination of things. Pesticides? Yeah. The way that we produce food right now, it is um, trying to maximise yields. Mm-hmm. So, and that, that has to come from somewhere. And mm-hmm. so a lot of food production is to, to put a lot of inputs in and then to to strip as much out as you can mm. in the form of a product, and you know, in Australia in particular, you see um, erosion as a major issue. Things blow mm. away, things wash away. Um, mm-hmm. Fertilizers they wash into into the streams and rivers, and they end up in the ocean. It's a really serious issue for the Great Barrier Reef. Mm. Um, agricultural fertilizers um, coming through rivers and washing out to sea and that causes algal blooms and all sorts of issues. I'm sorry, I'm not an expert in the subject. It's just um, mm. it's just something that I'm passionate about. Mm. But it's really an issue that we're seeing worldwide as well that um, <clears throat> there just hasn't been enough of a, a focus on it. And in Australia, it's a particular issue because Australia is... It's, a, it's an ancient continent and it doesn't have particularly great soil to begin with. Mm-hmm. And then we've come and we've brought agricultural techniques from areas with much better quality soils that's not necessarily well weather, adapted. That's right, and different weather patterns. And we've tried, tried to milk it, right? Yes. Is that what we've done? <laughs> that's in layman's terms anyway. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, so you finished high school and you studied to be an accountant. Yes, that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just wondering if you sleep at all. Not not particularly well. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me why maths, I guess. Maths and business, is that what we call accountancy? Yeah, spreadsheets. It's mostly spreadsheets. I think that... It makes for a good balance for me to be working at a day job that is using that part of my brain that's problem solving and calculating, building spreadsheets, trying to identify trends, and then to come home and to be switching on a completely different part of myself to have that time to to write and to create. I always wonder how it works for people who have very book-focused jobs who are also trying to get their own writing career started. And so they've got a day job where they're working with words and literature all day and then they're coming home and also trying to do their own creative work. And to me that's fascinating is um, 
Doesn't that it's, get exhausting? Shelley, is it the left brain, right brain thing for you? Is it because, I mean, accountancy is such a different discipline, isn't it, than the arts? Yeah, I'm not a big believer in the left brain, right brain thing. Mm-hmm. I think that there is a surprising amount of writing and communication in accountancy. Mm-hmm. Um, and in particular, I've found that being an accountant who can write and express ideas, mm-hmm. that's been really beneficial. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it is certainly, it lets me tap into different resources, I suppose, is that I don't come home exhausted and not able to work because I do come home exhausted from that work and I could not do any more of that work. But when I sit down to do the creative work, it's, you know, there's reserves available to do that instead. Mm-hmm. So I'm having a look at this career, right? <laughs> You're an accountant and you have a, a small child, mm-hmm. right? And you're also st- studying agriculture. I'm kind of looking at high achiever here now because that's that's a lot of work. And could I ask you, or is it too soon? So when you're filling out that card of occupation, mm. Mm, what is it you put there? Yeah, that's been really interesting for me lately because I... Like we are in the process of moving and so I had to say what I did for a living and that was the first time that I'd ever had to put down in writing that I was an author because, mm-hmm. yeah, I do now earn an income from writing, which is wonderful. Um, I also still work at my day job as well. I haven't, I've cut back on that, but I haven't given it up. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it is, it's always an interesting moment the first time you tell people that you write for a living. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. So tell me about the creation, you know, the, 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 the very beginning. So you've got a young child, you found an hour in the day. <laughs> tell me about the idea. Tell me about how you know, frightened you were to put pen to paper or maybe not, or maybe not. Maybe it was there and it was just itching to come out. Yeah, it was definitely the latter. Like I wrote the first draft of Wake in an absolute tearing hurry. I sat down um, to begin it on the 1st of January, 2018. Mm -hmm. And by the end of that month, I had 35,000 words. Yeah, wow. And I think part of that was that the idea was just... It really haunted me and I wanted to get it out on the paper. Share that idea with us. Certainly. So Wake is the story of Mina McCreary, whose twin sister Evelyn disappeared when they were nine years old. And 
where I got the original spark of the idea was that I was going through one of those periods of obsession that you sometimes do, or I sometimes do, where I was reading a lot of online forums about true crime, and in particular about unsolved crimes. And there are a lot of people on this forums who like consider themselves to be amateur private investigators, that they're trying to to solve these cold cases. So I was just, for about two weeks, just every minute that I had available, I was reading this because it was absolutely fascinating. Like, I really got sucked in. But I started to notice the way that some people on those forums were really losing sight of the fact that they were talking about real people and it was almost like it was a bit of a game. Um, And there was one particular conversation where the the users were talking back and forth about the brother of a murder victim and they were essentially trying to background check him. They were like, oh, he doesn't have much of a social media presence. He doesn't have a Facebook. He doesn't have an Instagram. I can't find anything. But he's got a LinkedIn, so I know where he works. And his employer is quite open on social media. Like, And I was able to go in, I was able to look at the pictures and I could see this and this and this. And I just had this moment of thinking about how angry it would make me mm. if I was that that brother who had lost a sibling in a terrible way and hadn't chosen to become a public figure mm. and now had these, these people who um, felt entitled to information about him. And so I guess that anger that I was feeling became the character of Mina. She's very anxious and she lives a very solitary life and I needed someone who would come in and set things in motion, sort of knock her out of that um, place that she jammed herself into um, and was convincing herself that she was comfortable. So that was where the other character came from, of Lane Holland, who is a private investigator. And I'd been reading articles about private investigators who rather than working for a client, they try to solve cold cases that come with a substantial financial reward attached. Mm -hmm. So that's how they make their living. They break these cases for the reward. And I was really fascinated by that idea of um, a private investigator as the one who is sort of instigating the reinvestigation of this Mm. old case. Mm. Um, Okay. So you had... So you had that in your head. Had you ever studied writing? Have you, did you know how to write a novel? I certainly haven't studied it in a university setting. I don't yeah. have a, a you know, creative yeah. writing degree. But I've attended a lot of courses, for example, through my local um, writer's centre. The, the Which ACT- are terrific. Yes, absolutely. The ACT Writer's Centre mm. is fabulous mm. and runs some wonderful courses. Mm, most of them are. Mm. Mm. And I've always tried to just, you know, just for my own interest to attend one or two a year. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've done a huge amount of reading Mm -hmm. on how to write and self-editing. So I suppose that I've been um, self-taught, but um, with the assistance of a lot of really amazing resources that are out there Mm. to support writers Mm. in teaching themselves how to write. Mm. Okay, so you've now got a novel. How do you know what to do? What's the next step? That's always the terrifying part. 
I consider myself to be very lucky that at the time that I was asking myself that question, there was a really amazing program that used to run in the ACT through the ACT Writers' Centre called Hard Copy. And that was a a year-long program for manuscript development. We would attend for a couple of weekends. The first weekend was a really intensive course about writing and Mm self-editing. And the second weekend was um, a series of talks on all sorts of aspects of the publishing industry, copyright, marketing, how to get an agent, why to get an agent. So that program came at exactly the right time. And they used to run it. um, They would do one year nonfiction and one year fiction. Mm -hmm. And sadly, the the arts funding situation being what it is in this country, that program has ceased running. Oh, what a shame. Yeah, which is terrible because Mm. it was just the most incredible program. Mm. And Mm. it's got some really incredible alumni. Mm. And it really, it really makes me sad because who knows who else that program would have Mm. found in the the years since if they'd had the if they'd had the funding to just keep going. Unfortunately, there's not a lot of programs like that in Australia. There's certainly the, like, Faber Academy and a lot of the state writers' centres do run similar things and Mm. there are some great resources out there. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, it does make me very sad that hard copy is a thing of the past. And also, it wouldn't have been huge money, you know. No. No. And they just, yeah, anyway, let's not talk about this government and the arts. Yes. That can, get me, uh, that can get me going on a very different tangent. Okay, so then tell me the next step. The whole time you're working and reworking your manuscript. That's right. I'm not the sort of writer that keeps count of how many drafts I'm doing, mm-hmm. but certainly like there was the draft that I took to hard copy and then there was the draft that I wrote after hard copy with everything that I'd learned. And then at the end of that program, I sort of was again in that position of, okay, what now? And I didn't feel ready to go out to publishers with what I had. So that's where the the unpublished manuscript awards really came in. And that felt like a good in-between step to get some feedback, to motivate myself to finish things was to start sending it out for these sorts Mm. of awards and so... Because they have a closing date, so that's a deadline, right? Exactly, yeah. Yeah. And um, the Killia Darling Unpublished Manuscript Award was particularly great in that way because they require the whole manuscript. Mm. So it had to be finished by a specific date for me to enter. Mm. And so that was just the goal for me was to get a draft that I was comfortable putting into this competition. And it almost didn't matter what happened with the competition itself because I'd it had given me that motivation to to keep going and to finish it without the structure of hard copy being there anymore to push me along. Were you nervous about entering? Because you're kind of opening yourself up at that point. Yeah, I, I was nervous. It's always, it's a very vulnerable thing to put your work out mm, there. Mm, for sure. And putting it out for an award felt a bit less vulnerable than sending it to a publisher because with a publisher you get a yes or you get a no with an unpublished manuscript award. Well, I, I was never going to get a no. I was, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so it felt like a good beginner step is yes. to not be setting myself up for rejection. 
if they shortlist 10 people, maybe I was number 11. Yeah. And, but I, and I was one of the 10. So yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. So you won the, both those awards, right? How did your publisher then find you? How did that happen, that it became a published book? So after the debut Dagger win, that was at the point where I, I sort of really realised that maybe I had something special here or mm. something that I couldn't give up on. And how long had you been working on it by then? By then it had been, um, it was just closing in on two years by that okay. point. Yep. So that's that's still quite a short amount of time to be mm. working on a novel. Mm. I was in this place where I didn't feel, I still didn't feel like it was the book that I knew it could be. But at the same time, it was clear that I had to, I had to keep going forward with this. Mm. Um so I won the debut dagger at the end of 2019 and there was some interest at the time. Like mm. I had some publishers reach out, some agents reach out, but I just felt it still needed a little bit more work. Mm-hmm. And I'm really glad that I made that decision. At the time it felt a little bit like, oh, you know, maybe if I don't strike while the iron's hot. It then, won't happen afterwards. Yeah, yeah. there'll be a new winner next year yeah. and nobody's going to want to hear about 2019. Mm. But I did take that time and I just worked on it a little bit more. And I think that was the draft where it really came together. Like, and I'm really glad that I took that time and just continued to rework it until I'd really found what I was trying to do with it. Mm. By the time I'd finished that process, we were getting towards the end of 2020 and I signed up for a program that the Australian Society of Authors runs, um, Literary Speed Dating. Mm-hmm. So that's quite a wonderful event where um, this was all done over Zoom because mm-hmm. of um, the COVID, COVID restrictions, which yeah. was, you know, one of the sort of positive things that came out of that is that a lot of these events that had been in person and only accessible to people in the cities, you know, suddenly... Mm-hmm anybody could jump in over Zoom. So I um, I signed up to pitch some agents and one of those agents was um, the wonderful Sarah McKenzie, who is now my agent. Mm-hmm. She, um, after that pitch, she asked to see the whole manuscript and after reading the whole manuscript, she wanted to represent me. She had some notes, so there was a little bit more redrafting after mm-hmm. that, but she sent it out early in 2021 And she told me to, you know, sort of settle in. It'll probably be six weeks before we'd hear anything back. And um, it was actually only a couple of days that the first publisher called back wanting to talk about it, which was just completely mind-blowing. Like, it happened really fast after that. Within the course of about 48 hours, there were three publishers that had put in offers. So I had just this incredible day where I was talking to publishers and they would put in, they would put forward their offer, but also I would have these conversations with them about their vision for the book and, you know, how it had spoken to them and what, you know, what their plans for the future were. And so... Um, it was a really difficult decision then to try Because they're very good. I mean, most, yeah. most publishers are quite, you know, it's hard to choose. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, so it was this incredibly difficult decision because they were all very 
different offers, mm-hmm. really. Um, and th- thank God that I did have Sarah on my side to explain things to me because mm-hmm. there were all these things suddenly in play that I'd never considered before about which rights were they buying and um, different legalities. And yeah, and also even the, the editorial process, working mm. with somebody that is like-minded as well. I mean, that's important. Yeah, exactly. So I was able to speak to one publisher in person and the other two over the phone and to just really hear what they what their vision was for editing mm. and what they saw as needing to be changed. And um, that was a really amazing process. Like to be suddenly receiving that level of feedback and really professional feedback was remarkable. Hmm. Well, uh, Shelley, we've run out of time. Oh. Wonderful story. Thank you so much for coming in today. Um, I have enjoyed our conversation very much. Yeah, thank you. It's been lovely to be here. If you'd like more information about Better Reading, follow us on Facebook or visit betterreading.com.au. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Belinda Audio. Belinda Audio books are available on CD and MP3 from online booksellers and bookshops everywhere, or you can download from Audible, Google Play or the iBook Store. We've also created our own app called BorrowBox that's available from both the App Store and Google Play. All you need to do to get it working is to download the app, join your local public library, and you'll gain access to the world's best collection of e-books and e-audiobooks available for you to loan on your phone or your personal device. Belinda, we're here to enable you to escape, imagine, grow, and be inspired through the power of storytelling. Belinda Audiobooks. Anywhere. Everywhere. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. 
If you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a review and check out the other podcasts on the Better Reading Network.